0: Welcome to the Fatherhood Podcast. I'm your host, Jamar Hudson, and you're in the Fatherhood. As a new member of the hood, my goal is to use this podcast as a platform to talk about my journey as a new father. Part therapeutic, part informative, part educational. My goal is to talk about everything, from adjusting to getting no sleep, to changing diapers, to just hoping I get everything right. This podcast will be a space to share with you the joys, challenges, and fears of being a first-time father. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Fatherhood Podcast. I'm your host, Jamar Hudson, and as always, welcome. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to take a moment to acknowledge the upcoming anniversary of the untimely passing of Kobe Bryant. You know, it's it's just hard to believe that it's been a year since we got that devastating news on that Sunday afternoon that Kobe, Gigi, and the other passengers had left us. But yet here we are one year later, and it's just still a very hard pill, you know, for me and I'm sure everyone else to swallow. A few days after Kobe's death, I wrote a piece that's up on Medium that basically highlighted you know, what Kobe's death meant to me as a father, and I want to read a, an excerpt from that piece. Something has changed in recent years as Kobe's career came to an end and he transitioned into retirement. He seemed more human, more likable. I saw him as a father. Like many of us in today's age, he proudly shared his family with the world via Instagram and other social media platforms. It felt like we were just really getting to know him. And as the news began to break on Sunday and the accurate Carols were reported, never was Kobe more human to us than in his death. Because the more we found out, the clearer it became to me that this wasn't just NBA legend Kobe Bryant who died along with eight others. It was dad and husband. It was me. It was my friends who were fathers. Yeah, and I, and I wrote that last year. You can check it out on Medium. You know, so, so those were some of my thoughts then and they remain. So today I'm happy to have a member of the extended NBA family Join me to talk about Kobe, uh, as well as fatherhood and many other great topics. Kelly Oubre Sr., father of Warrior Swingman Kelly Oubre, is coming up next on the Fatherhood Podcast. Mr. Kelly Oubre, Sr. How are you, sir? Welcome to the Fatherhood Podcast.
1: Very good. Everything is fine on my end. Uh, Thank you for having me. When I say that, I don't mean that lightly. I appreciate your work in this COVID era. I try to tell that to everyone that I I, I meet now post uh, the inception of COVID because it kind of reminds me of, and I don't want to harp on it too much unless you want to dig into it, the Katrina situation because no one planned for this, but everybody has an obligation or a chance to react to it in a positive and negative way. So Absolutely.
0: We'll, we'll definitely touch on that down the line, but I'm excited to have you. I'm looking forward to our conversation um, and doing my research, and I hope the listeners will find value in in your story and some gems you can pass on to, not just the fathers um, who listen to the podcast, but everyone in general. Well, for the people who know the name, sir, but don't really know uh, you personally, tell our listeners who Kelly Ubre Sr. is. Well,
1: Kelly Ubre Sr. is... Uh- someone who was an observer early in life, someone who was rather quiet and I paid attention. I studied styles. My father is currently right now still a New Orleans police officer. My mom, she did some time in her career as South Central Bell as a uh, customer service representative. Love my parents very much. They're back in New Orleans. I opted to follow my mom's lead at a young age to follow her to Birmingham, Alabama early in life, maybe third grade, fourth grade. In which, and in in that time, I realized that, you know, New Orleans wasn't the end all be all. And it had some things about it that I love, but it also had some things about it that I couldn't be a part of once I had a chance to grow and do my own thing because I just didn't see the positive growth, the educational support, or the lack of constant infighting that affected the kids long term. Whereas the grown ups just thought it was business as usual and they still do to this day. So that's a little bit about Kelly Ubrey Sr. You know those those messages that I took along when Kelly Oubre Jr. was born, and I realized let let me uh, do my best to provide for him, to be a clarifier for him, to be a trusted advisor to him for the rest of his life, since it was by my by my partial doing that he arrived on this earth. So that I could do was <laughs> uh, hold his hand until he's uh, a smashing success here, if you will. Right. Absolutely. And for those listeners who, who aren't big sports
0: fans, uh, this is the father, father of Warriors uh, swingman Kelly Oubre Jr. coming off a big win the other night against the Lakers. Um, but, but Senior, for, for those of us who are fathers, it doesn't matter whether you're a father of an NBA player or um, just a two-year-old like me. You know, fatherhood is that common bond there that we share. So tell our listeners, what does being a father mean to you?
1: It means having a priceless bond with, with an extension of myself. Uh, if you it, it, as as our sons or our daughters grow, we see certain traits that they may have or or that may come to us, you know, in, in casual conversation or in our casual visualization of them that remind us of ourselves in, in, in a matter of speaking. Um, and I think we help formulate their decision making. And that is the, the, the greatest honor or the biggest hat I could ever wear is the hat of a father, because I by default am powerful in that space and i am his trusted advisor as i mentioned before and with that label with that moniker hanging over my head that's the that's the ultimate compliment but that holds the ultimate the, the the most weight of any title that i could have throughout the rest of my life because i think his success to a large part if i embrace it and i lock in as early as possible you know is directly defected by my actions my words and my movements in and out of certain spaces in sports, in business, in life.
0: Yeah, yeah. And if, if if you look at you know, rewind a little bit, you know, not not the from the perspective of present day senior or your son's successful NBA player, but going back to when those first early years, when you first found out you were going to be a dad, and in you know those toddler years, who did you pattern your approach to fatherhood after? Senior, who did you want to emulate once you knew you were going to become a dad?
1: You know, that's a very good question because I, I I would I would go out on a limb and say no one, and I'm going to tell you that, and I'm not being mean, I'm not trying to slight anyone and not give credit, but I knew at that point how I did not want to raise Kelly. Mm. So rather than, than, than see someone who was doing it all the right way, doing what they needed to do, I looked at my uncles and I saw the patterns and the, 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 the positions that they were in due to education strong educational backgrounds and how they how they utilize those resources to expose their children to certain things. So in the, in the realm of exposure, I would have to give credit to my uncles, uh, my mom's brothers for just going out on a limb and, 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 and sparing no expense, you know, and, and, and honoring their families at the time, you know, and that trickled down to how they honored their kids and put them in the right situations. And they were not scared to travel outside of New Orleans either. As a matter of fact, they've traveled and, well, one of them has traveled and he has never come back to live there. And his kids are smashing successes. One of my cousins is uh, Antoine Keller. He's a prominent cardiologist in the Baton Rouge area. His sister, Erica Keller, she is the head of HR at the elementary and middle school that Beyonce's daughter goes to. Mm -hmm. And those kids in Hollywood, and they are direct reflections of their mom and dad's hard work. So, from a traveling aspect, a uh, uh, incessant need ingrained in me to get out of New Orleans to try to to find better and bigger things. I think Katrina kind of kind of helped that a great deal for me to tap into a world outside of New Orleans and at all costs find a comfort zone, you know, away from our natural comfort zone. So basically, a reinventing of myself and a reinventing of of uh, uh, inventing of Kelly, you know, on foreign soil. So those early years were very formative, not only for him, but for me also, because it gave me a chance to spread my wings and seek opportunity elsewhere as he was going into the fourth grade and beyond, and here we are to this day.
0: You, you kind of touched on, you know, my next question I had for you is, you know, you you mentioned the, the, the transition for you as as a father. How did becoming a dad change you and your approach
1: to life? Well... I realized that everything everything was on me at that point and I willingly accepted it because I was prepared for that moment. 12,995, everything in my life changed. I locked in. I was willing to, and, and, and I don't mean to say this facetiously, but I want to convey the message to my trusted advisors. Can you hear me?
0: I can hear you just fine.
1: Okay, good. My computer went off. My trusted advisors and those who who are within earshot of this conversation, my life changed in a way in which... My, my focus became crystallized. It was like I had one itis towards <laughs> success. And when I say no's meant nothing to me, people telling me what I couldn't do meant nothing to me. I, and, 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 and It's almost like where Beast Developmental began, 12995. This is Beast Developmental. Right. is Beast Developmental. And the personification of it, I literally, to this day, will not be outworked. Hmm. I will destroy anyone who gets in my way figuratively. And, you know, let's not go out on a limb and say literally, but <laughs> you know, in, in, in tongue in cheek, but let's just naturally assume that if it came down to that scenario, I, I, I would feel sorry for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm so, sure as a dad, you tried to implement that type of thinking uh, in Kelly, correct?
1: Yes. Yes. Wholeheartedly, especially when we made the transition to Houston. I told him just, you know, it was he and I, you know, shortly there after we arrived, you know, my second wife, she she left. And that was fine with me. I had a child to raise, a biological son to raise and provide for on foreign soil. Therefore, I had to reinvent myself maybe two or three times along the way. So once we arrived there. So, yes, I, I had a responsibility and I was going to uphold their responsibility. And 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 basically, I don't want to say will him to success. Right. That you turn into. But give him the necessary tools that he would need and hold his hand every step of the way in good times and bad to facilitate that progress and growth and success.
0: Yeah. You know, one thing I'm learning about having a two year old son is they, they look to you and they, they look at every move you make every they listen to every word you say. So I'm wondering during that transition from you guys is moving from New Orleans to Houston. Um, was there a point during that period where you questioned yourself as a dad, you know, with that transition that you were thinking to yourself, what am I doing? How do I make this work?
1: No, I never questioned myself at all. and let me tell you a story about New Orleans and Houston. I love them both dearly. I guess it's a fifty fifty marriage here mm-hmm. with my life because of the parts they played. New Orleans is uh, a place with very little resources for growth, right. A very, very poor educational system in a public school system, uh, pre and post Katrina. Uh, a lot of the carnage from the fact that we didn't have any any or very few fortune five hundred companies in town. Maybe one or two are there now that have always been there. I think Energy was one of them. And they had a monopoly on the energy services there. So uh, Houston, on the other hand, was an abundance of riches just five hours away. So one thing I learned about your average New Orleans uh, uh, young man, he was scared of the possibilities of a Houston because it meant like he was traveling around the world. Yeah. Whereas the Houston, the average Houston young man was used to big houses and big cars because that's just what he saw every day therefore if you take those two and you pit them against each other there's a five hours worth of incessant fear between the both of them because those who have they 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 work for a better life to not be around those that don't have and those that don't have if you have something that i want nine times out of ten if i want it bad enough i'm gonna take your shit yeah so with that being said i had to Walk that fine line with Kelly. We came from that. When I got to Houston, I must be honest with you, with clean hands here, I looked in men's eyes to see if they had fight in them mm. because that's how I grew up and that's all I knew. Yeah. It took me a while to back off and realize that, you know what, there's no fight here because there doesn't have to be. This is big housing, big cause.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and in doing that, what were you trying to convey to to Kelly as a as a dad? What were you trying to convey to him in that approach you took?
1: Well, honestly, we're not here to look around. We're here to take this shit. Mm-hmm. So if they got crumbs on the table, we're gonna take them. We're gonna make that <laughs> pie. We're gonna make that pie, and we made that pie. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not throwing shade at anybody along the way. I, I but but I was not there before we got there technically. But I had to utilize the resources that they had available that were afforded to us and that he worked very hard to sustain with my tutelage and guidance. I had to do the busy work of a parent or trusted advisor behind the scenes and navigate these waters and put him in positions to succeed here. Whether it be uh, school situations, summer ball situations, eventually high school situations with a transition to Finlay prep. For, for, for the yearning for something more for him on a national level or I'm sorry, international level and then to Kansas. All of that was orchestrated by design.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Was that tough for you? You hear stories all the time, especially when it comes to athletes of, you know, coming up in a single, uh, single moms, you know, them doing most of the work in a dad's absent, but you're the complete opposite of that. You were there involved doing the heavy lifting, you know, rearing him up until where he is now. Was that difficult for you doing it alone?
1: the hardest part of it was dropping him off at the airport when he would have to go out of town on summer ball, the AAU trips Mm -hmm. and I couldn't go with him because I knew, let me just say this and I'm not throwing shade. I knew there were elements at play within that structure that meant him no good because I was that strong father. And sadly enough, many of our fathers are conditioned to, to, to relish in their malehood, but not relish in their manhood.
2: Mm.
1: Whereas when I, was, when, when I was away, I'm sure Kelly had to experience some things like being slighted. But you know what, though? I realized that I had to be selfless in that moment and sacrifice so he could be hardened for the day he had to make the transition from high school to college and eventually to the pros. People always ask me, when did I know he was going to be a pro? I say right around the eighth grade when, you know what? He never had two bad games in a row anymore because he was mm-hmm. killing everything. Yeah.
0: Was it hard for you to take a step back?
1: Um, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't, it was hard. It was, it was, it was probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. I must admit as I as I, as I reflect back on that, the rest of this stuff, I don't want to say it was easy, but it was just as a parent, once you're locked in, you're, you're, you have one itis and you have a centralized focus, you're pretty much ready and willing to do whatever it takes to, to, to facilitate the betterment of your, of your young athlete or your young diamond or your child. Yeah. So, Yes, I, I'd be I'd be remiss in saying, you know, no, it wasn't hard. I did it. It was great. It was. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. But it, it, was, it was hard as hell. you know. Yeah. And, and But that was that was I, I internalized that because I had to, because keep in mind, it was by my own hand that I elected to stay in Houston.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: There were no victims here. And I let him know point blank. We are not the victims of shit.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Katrina, Katrina, Katrina. You know, it, it was a very trying and troubling time for a lot of parents. A lot of families, but mo- most importantly, a lot of marriages. Yeah. I broke up because at that point you realize who were the riders and who were the BSers. Mm-hmm. And that came very quickly to us where I had to make decisions on the fly. And willingly and happily, I wish everybody the best from this point forward. Thank you, but get out of my way. I got yeah. work to do.
0: Yeah, you, you touched on on a little bit on, on Kelly, uh, his his rise through the amateur ranks and on to Kansas. Uh, but being a father of, of an athlete, now an NBA player, um, your fatherhood journey has been been directly tied to sports. How did the lessons learned on the court and the playing field in general directly relate to fatherhood? Just talk a little bit about that intersection.
1: Well, I have this Machiavellian principle, I mean, where I just study styles. Mm-hmm. And by studying those styles, I would verbalize to Kelly exactly what he was looking at. In, through my eyes as he, 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 he looked at it through his eyes also. So he could have a more three-dimensional approach as to how certain situations might end. I'll give you a, a perfect scenario. There was a young man on his team at the sixth grade level who was six feet two. He could dunk a basketball, and he was basically brought in from out of town to play in that, in that situation. They put him up in a house. Basically, he carried the house at 12 years old. And a lot of parents don't want to hear that because it it, it cuts across the grain. How could that happen? How could a parent or parents do that to a kid? But the parents involved were, they, they weren't of means, put it that way. Mm-hmm. They saw it as, as a way to get out of their current state, you know, and the, the, their living conditions along with their two daughters and that son. And they took the person up on the opportunity to transition or make that move. But, the sweat equity of the young man, and basically, what it, it kind of ground him down to a nub, sadly, over time. Uh, he carried the house at twelve years old, and I walked Kelly through that scenario the whole time, every chance I got, because that was one of his good friends. But you know, his body, the kid's body, started breaking down, and he didn't have any more value by the time he reached uh, high school, because when he met Kelly, Kelly was five six; mm-hmm. he was six two. He could dunk. Kelly could not. By the time Kelly walked away from him, Kelly was 6'7", and he was 6'2". So he found him, he caught him, he passed him, and he went on to bigger and better things. And a young man, he struggled, but I think he did finally get out of college, if I'm not mistaken. You know, I I hope he did, because I haven't uh, really reached out to that element since I left Houston. But that was a perfect three-dimensional scenario that I painted for Kelly along the way. Mm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let you carry the household. I'm gonna carry the household. You just go play basketball, have fun, go to school, and click and bond with your friends. Now, we had friends in Houston, but Kelly had a whole group of friends outside of Houston in New Orleans. And he also had a whole group of friends that he currently plays in the NBA with. Yeah. So there were various circles here. He had multiple circles, you know, at the same time, whereas by the time it came down to graduating uh, or going to to his 12th grade year in Houston, he said, Daddy, I could drop 50 a night next year. I said, yeah, you can, but you won't. Because he didn't even know his class anymore because he never played with those guys. He always played up. Yeah. You know, especially on the Nike and Adidas circuit. So I said, no, you're going to Finlay prep, you know, um, because I, I don't want it to be easy for you because now is not the time uh, uh, to make it easy because you may relax. You may not have that manufactured hunger, if you will, To propel you to the next level and the level beyond that. So all this was by design and prep and prepped.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm talking to Mr. Kelly Ubre senior today on the fatherhood podcast and and, you've made a point to be involved in, in talking. I'm learning that more and more about a minute. You better make a point to be involved in every step of of Kelly's uh, journey. That's something you know that all fathers you know should aspire to do. But in the same breath, when do you when should fathers know when to take a take a step back and just allow kids to to figure things out on their own?
1: Uh, I would say let's not get caught up in, in 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 the the because I'm your daddy. That's why a conversation, or yeah, hand or or. I brought you into this world. I could take y'all conversation. Yeah, that is cliche and that is outdated. And this is 2021, and we're in the we're in the year, we're in the 2000s now. And kids don't respond to that anymore because they have options to do other things, to go other places. And basically, if you get too crazy with them, they'll just call the police on you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because that's an option now. Before that wasn't an option. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing that wasn't a fear of yours. No, no, not at all. But it's time. I wasn't abusive either, but, yeah yeah, you know I mean, I had methods to my madness, but at the same time I realized that it was me and him making this journey, yeah, and I had to differentiate my approach you know as needed, not when I wanted to, not when it was convenient, but on the as needed basis yeah. I had to be, I had to wear many hats along the way, but I could not ostracize myself. You know, because I knew at some point a pushback was coming because naturally as youngsters, we all push back at some point in our life. I got it from here. Dad, I got it from here. Mom, I can handle this until they realize they can't. Yeah. You know, we we've recently gone through a scenario like that, Kelly and I. And you know what? I say we're back together stronger than ever because of the mm-hmm. lessons we learned before that that time even it presented itself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not not to not to get into the details, but just generally speaking, when that happens, um, you know, as my son gets older, I'm sure I have to deal with that. When that happens, how do you deal with it? How do you manage that?
1: I differentiate my approach. I it's almost like a a double dutch scenario sometimes. I may you know where whereas before I was talking on the phone, I might send a text. Yeah. The text might just simply read, I love you. Keep grinding. Mhm. I love you. I got you. You know, um, we used to say this little thing when he was uh, in, in, in elementary. Uh, uh, he was a toddler, basically. It, 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 was, it was, wasn't was grammatically correct, but it was it was on his level. I used to say, we, um, we crew. Yeah. We crew, and nobody's going to stop us. And he used to repeat it before I would drop him off at nursery school. Mm. And, you know, the little thing, and like I said, trusted advisor status. If you achieve trusted advisor status, you can bring him back to center with little things like that. Because nobody else knows that about the situation. They weren't around it and they can't relate to it. And they don't know how strong or how poignant the times in the past really were in, in, in those, in those moments. in and, and because that's something that as a parent, you don't ever want to outsource your parenting when it comes down to the little minute details. Like they say, the devil's in the details. Well, you know, my thing is the devil gets killed in the details. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to my trusted advisors, or other parents, I would only convey that, you know, if you let the devil in, you will never get rid of him. He'll only introduce you to more devils. Yeah. yeah. You have to speak to them because you're already compromised.
0: Yeah. So it, it sounds like to me, you know, talking about how you deal with those those bumps in the road as a father, you have to evolve sometimes as a, as a dad, as a parent in general. So I guess my question to you is how how have you changed um, as a father from year one to you know, Kelly's with 25, 26 now? How have you changed?
1: Well, you know what I've done? I've taken the high ground on a lot of things. I don't I don't hold grudges. Uh, to those that have wronged us, uh, in a matter of speaking, some people I just don't deal with because I don't have to, mm-hmm. and I just don't want to because I know they—they've shown me the parts of their body that nobody wants to see anyway. Yeah. So, quite frankly, if I know that about you, then I don't have to talk to you. I can still be who I am, uncompromised in my own space, in my own square, and Kelly can grow and learn, you know, from a positive talk track. Now, if somebody's a a a, a justifier who was who's always been a justifier, why would I expect them to be a clarifier one day? They have not earned the right or developed into that status because for all I know, somebody could have sent them to gain favor with the, with, with, with the young man around uh, without the daddy being around. Yeah. So, you know, people are compromised all around us. I always talk to Kelly about the Hegelian dialectic. And I don't know if the uh, trusted advisors or the parents listening will be locked into the Hegelian dialectic or what it's about. It's simply... If I set the stage for you and you walk in and I show you a problem that I created that will work against you and I fix that problem for you, then you are forever in my debt. But what you don't understand is I created that whole scenario. I just need you to walk in so I can point it out to you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That
1: happens all around us every day. And I have these conversations with Kelly all the time, you know, we're going through the 40 laws of power. We go into the Machiavellian principles, Sun Tzu, Art of War. They came before Columbus, Ivan Van Sertema. The ISIS papers, Dr. Francis Cress Welsing. Uh, from the Browder Files, Dr. Tony Browder. Um, all this ties into his history on this earth mm-hmm. and his history in America. And I'm just trying to give him a broad scope, a three-dimensional view, a vantage point as to, to answer some of the how and why questions. Because I normally don't ask outward how and why questions most of the time. I I normally internalize them because I can do my own research now. I can look up the answers before I ask the questions to anyone if I do ask the questions at all.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, kind of to that point, what would you say has been the most consistent message um, you've preached to your son over the years?
1: Um, The most consistent message is I think I show him better than I can tell him Mm. consistency in that word itself. What is consistency? One of the first laws of the 40 laws of power is never outshine the master. Well, first of all, you have to define who the master is. Yeah. Perfect example is okay, you have a a old school office building. Let's say the CEO is on the 10th floor. That's the the highest floor is the 10th floor. He has a big office with the glass windows. But every morning you walk past the janitor Hmm. who has all the keys to the building. Who's really the master here? The CEO that is clueless on the 10th floor about the building? or the janitor with all the keys hmm. the janitor is the master of the building the CEO might be the master of the company I would rather side with the janitor in the event a fire breaks out as opposed to running to the CEO because wow. the CEO will be running for the janitor too so in that moment that makes us even so I use that analogy and then we can make that same correlation to money if I take a CEO or a millionaire or a perceived millionaire's money off the table Aren't
0: we even now? <laughs> I'm writing that down. <laughs> that, that, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. You're
1: lost, but I've been I've been in the mud, so yeah. I think you're gonna be looking at me a little little differently from that point forward.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, uh, this is definitely something I can use uh, when when my son gets of, of age, we can talk to him. You know, but in, in my research, um, you know, one of the things I figured out and learned about you is you know how the importance you put on building relationships. Um, why is that something that you put an emphasis on um, just in general and as a, as a father
1: because because with with building of relationships, like I said, Kelly's looking at me the whole time, he's watching my pattern, he's listening to my talk track, and he's listening to my voice, my inflection, how I deal with certain people about certain situations, and he's bouncing it off of how I deal with him and deal with him and, and, and my inflection with him in certain situations, therefore I'm showing him how to do this with my own blueprint I'm creating for his benefit. I'm showing him. I'm not telling him. I'm not dictating to him. I'm showing him how to navigate in and out of the business world, in and out of basketball world, in and out of relationships with, with males and females, and having a clear perspective of your position in that situation before you even open your mouth.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think the consistency means more than than a lot of 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 intangibles here, because the consistency will speak volumes for you before and after you once you enter and leave the room. A lot of misconceptions were developed about me because a lot of these so-called gurus. Yeah. Couldn't make money off of Kelly as he was growing up because they that wasn't the kid that I found that kid. That's my kid back off. No, I never relinquished control of the situation because I knew basically with no money in my pocket, the control of the situation and the insight I had into my own son as a diamond in my eyes was all that I really had. And, you know, when you go on the corner or you ride by the corner, the only control is handled by the one with the product.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Not the one with the money, because the one with the money is coming to check on the product.
0: Yeah. 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 The, the kind of, you know, that's, that's an interesting point. I'm wondering, you know, um, you're not just a father, you're a, well, you're a father first, but you're also a father of an NBA player. Um, so how have you been able to carve out the identity um, separate from that of this being, I'm just Kelly Oubre's dad. Like how have you been able to separate the two?
1: Well, that's the thing. Once again, like I, we had a, a, a I, I reiterated, I, I iterated to your words uh, early. I'm gonna do the same thing. You said father. Father is 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 the pinnacle here. Mm-hmm. Father is leader, father is head, father is is the uh I guess I guess the, the 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 one in control, you know, with all the power, now how that power is used or delegated or uh um I guess put into play determines on, I guess, some things like education level. The ability to to deal, you know, to deal with power without letting it take over your body or your current situation. I think with Kelly, just 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 being in the moment with him at all times, being able to bring him back to center, being able to talk about simple things like 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 buying a home, interest mm-hmm. rates. Let's talk about purchasing cars. Let's talk about uh, um, uh, addition by subtraction here. Came to me a couple of months ago, Daddy, I want to I I flip my fleet. All right, Mr. Flip My Fleet.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well I, I, I'm going to go in the garage and see two of them that I want to get off of before you start flipping anything. Yeah, yeah. All I see is depreciating assets here, Mr. Flip My Fleet. So those two have to go before you do anything. So you figure out, you tell me what you want to flip your fleet to. And let me start getting to work on those two disappearing before we bring anything else into this garage.
0: Yeah. So if you have an extra, you can surely send it my way.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And and, and I'll take note of that. Thanks. So that that right there was a perfect analogy um, as to how the 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 day to day morphs into the, the 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 weeks, the months, and the years because. Once again, I have to show a pattern of consistency here. I have to be cutting edge because if my conversation gets Jurassic with him, he's going to tune me out because he can go get that advice from somebody else who has a different talk track or a more palatable talk track, even if they are not willing to explain fully why they came to that conclusion or they're talking to him in detail about a certain situation. Me, I told him, as a clarifier, which is rarefied air, Right up there with daddy and parent status, I will clarify a million times, but partner, I don't have to justify once. Yeah. You know why I'm here. Mm. You don't know why these people just showed up. Yeah. So yeah. that's the beauty of it. As yeah. a father, and I and I want you to take that with you as a young father. The clarifier status is priceless. I will never have to justify my position here because you've seen my body of work. You've seen how I deal. You've seen how I I, I I I can navigate with a suit on mm. or in sweats. You know, my 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 MO does not change here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's great. That's great stuff. Once again, uh, that's Kelly Oubre Sr. You're here on the fatherhood podcast today. And as you, as you listen, um, you, you hear that he is a great communicator, something that he, he puts an emphasis on uh, is communication. But uh, as black men, that is not something that is always our strongest trait uh, particularly dealing with each other. So what advice would you give to dads on how to be effective communicators?
1: What I would say is keep a very skinny circle because you don't want the wrong person talking to your son without you around mm. as a father, your true power lies within your presence. So therefore, my friend and your provisions, therefore, to all, all, all my my future trusted advisors and current trusted advisors who don't know their trusted advisors right now. but yeah. they are. What I want them to do is understand that, you know, if you can find a mentor, you know, hence Beast Developmental, that's not a plug for my services. But at the same time, I would want to convey my message with the world to. To build not only strong fathers or strong trusted advisors, I want to build strong families. Yeah. And, and have that constant conversation in that with that 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 o'clock phone call that comes from the high school or the prep school or the college or the road trip in which father couldn't be a part of, but he can still facilitate a conversation to talk his young athlete off the ledge if need be and to reposition them or bring them back to center. Is to where they still are in a position to compete yeah. with all the mental demons as well as the physical things in front of the obstacles in front of them. So, with fathers, and the advice I would give them is if you're not a great orator or communicator, I tell you what, you know, a, Beast Developmental is a perfect avenue for you to lock into because we deliver information in real time.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And if
1: I don't have it right there, I will work to find it very quickly, as quickly as I can to get it to you. And and it's not about me trying to monetize everything under the sun because I'd rather my gratification far too many times comes with, with young athletes being partnered with trusted advisors, being a parent or whoever their guardian is and having these one-off conversations because no one has the answers to everything, myself included. But we have so much modern technology at our fingertips, excuse me, that, you know, it's, it's there to be had if we want to do the legwork or we want to keep a skinny circle of proven men around us that are willing to do the legwork, you know, for the betterment of the collective unit. And that's why I say keep it skinny and keep it small, because once you get proven men around you, then you can you can pretty much learn something every day from them as they learn from you also. So to my trusted advisors, you know, I, I would strongly, strongly, you know, advise them not to try to do everything alone because, you know, I think at some point the young athlete might pick up on the fact that, you know, my dad is not that smart in this area, but as a father or as a trusted advisor, he must understand he has to grow along with his young athlete also. And that means he got to crack them books too. Yeah. Yeah. He got to go on the internet He got to and not be so, so, um, Emotional about everything, every bad thing that's said about his child. What he wants to retaliate and fight. You know, he has to build up a thick skin too to let some stuff go or talk his son through the situation where it won't negatively affect his self-esteem because the daddy's breaking down because of what somebody said.
0: Yeah, yeah. You mentioned and something I made a note of. You mentioned the the fact of keeping your circle, um, close and tight when it comes to communication. But have has it been challenging for you to keep those people who you know are up to no good or just want to get get close to Kelly for financial reasons? Has it been difficult to keep those people away?
1: No, not really, because I I, I put out I I do a constant test for loyalty. Yeah, no one meets Kelly right away. Mm-hmm. Come through the front door. No one meets him until I make the introduction. And sometimes it's three, four, five meetings before that happens. Yeah. If I see value there, I see consistency there, I see a proven track record, and I see if you're an individual with everything to lose, just like I have everything to lose, then we can continue our conversation. Right. If you're flighty, if you have no track record, if you have no pattern of successes or failures, and you're just trying to get in where you fit in, well, my man, we, we we can't talk for too long because you are what I call a justifier and not a clarifier. Absolutely, that's
0: great. Just a few more questions for you, Senior. Tell us a little bit about Beast Developmental. You, we mentioned it uh, a few times. But just tell our listeners um, about the brand. What was the motivation behind it? And just kind of you know explain it to our listeners.
1: <clears throat> well, Beast Developmental, like I said, was a concept that was born on 12995, along with Kelly. So he's basically... The word stemmed from a word I've loved my whole life, uh, uh, and that word was personification. Personification defined as giving human-like characteristics to animals. Okay, mm-hmm. now what I do is I play. What I did was I played with the word. I says, you know what? I think backwards sometimes, and that helps me. That's my. That's one of my secrets. I think backwards. Therefore, I flip that word around and I use it in reverse, giving animal-like characteristics to humans. So, hence the name Beast Developmental. Mm-hmm. Now, Beast was where it came from. Develop develop the Beast mentally. Kelly is a personification of the, the, the word itself and the concept because it is him in a nutshell. Beast developmental. Okay? Because the way I looked at it early on in life is, you know, it was my responsibility to make sure Kelly was a success. And I took that on as not a burden, but as something that I was going to do at all costs. And I can't say everybody saw the vision with me and I guess I didn't expect them to, honestly, I was kind yeah. of left that I was looked at. You're crazy. Your son ain't all that. He ain't that good. <laughs> <laughs> okay? Yeah, And I was like, okay. Yeah. My mom always tell me something, you know, everybody doesn't think like you. And to this day, the burning question in the back of my mind is why not?
2: Mm.
1: I'm not saying I'm God. I'm not saying I have a God complex. I'm just saying, you know, we all have the same 24 hours in a day. And, you know, the concepts that we introduce in our lives or the people we surround ourselves with influence our thought in our decision-making processes. And with Beast Developmental, if you look at my diagram, at the top is Beast Developmental, the word. Right. It operates as a drone, like a, a drone to oversee everything associated with the logo. To my right, you know, if you go clockwise, would be the trusted advisor. Being supported by the drone, beast developmental. At the bottom is the competition or the peers. Peers are the athlete or the young diamonds competition, okay? Because everything is fun when you're small until you start hitting these three, four, and five star levels. Mm -hmm. Then it's competition. Because I want to be better than you, even though we're friends. We can be friends before and after the game, but basically, in in, in a matter of speaking, you know, I have to get this figurative money. or I got to get these figurative accolades, you know, literally or figuratively at some point in their lives. And on the left side is the governing body. That is the entities that make and reinforce the laws in which the young diamonds play by. The NCAA, the high school school districts, um, the NBA, you know, and, and other entities in the business world also who have their own laws and bylaws in which the employees have to hold up and be a part of or live up to that standard or they won't be employed there for very long. So that's the concept. Oh, and I'm sorry, the most important piece of beast developmental, if you look at my logo, is that diamond sitting in the middle, reinforced by those very thick walls. Right. So right. you know I, I would be crazy if I forgot about the most important piece in all of that. Now if you notice at the top and to the right, that's a support system. At the bottom is the motivation with the peers. And to the left of the uh, of the diamond is the governing body that he must adhere to or play within the rules set forth by.
0: Great, great. I, I encourage all my listeners to take a look at um, what Kelly Sr. is talking about and I'll provide the information to where you can find all that at the end of the podcast. Um, that's great. I applauded doing some doing some great work. A um, couple more questions and then, then we'll wrap it up, um, bring things full circle. Um, but you mentioned just athletes. Obviously, we've talked about Kelly Kelly Jr.'s career. Um, but being a professional athlete, you know, there, there's a certain privilege that comes with that financial and status and that sort of thing, the, the lifestyle that comes with it. Um, And with everything that's been going on in the world the last couple of years, social justice wise, how do you make sure that your son keeps things in perspective and can sort of still relate to what's going on in in the world?
1: You know what I do? Honestly, man, once again, I told you, I think a little differently sometimes. I said, Okay, I'm I'm not fascinated with the here and now. Mm -hmm. Because dig a little deep. We can find out, you know, it's not the first time some of this stuff has happened. Right. Let's dig a little deeper here for my for my. For my my trusted advisors in my community and those that want to want to be fair about the equations and situations, which I don't expect many people to do, but those who are realists with themselves, let's dig a little deeper. What I do is I talk to Kelly about our position on this earth pre-slavery. Right. And pre-slavery means simply, you know, we were in rulership in the Byzantine Empire. We were Templar knights. We were Moors. We were tutors in the comedic mystery schools here. Wait a minute. That's positions of power. That's not positions of subserviency. We were in rulership here. We 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 held position on on boards and in in Greek society and in English and European society here. Polish, German society, uh, uh, Australian, Aboriginal, Asia, uh, uh, of course, Africa, um, South America. We have touched every part of the continent. All right you know, and uh, uh, the continent, uh, I'm sorry, every part of the globe, and we've done it well. Mm-hmm. So let's not dismiss and pretend like we just showed up on somebody's doorstep, <laughs> you know, or touch somebody's shores, and that's where we all began.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: So that's how I handle the social justice issues. Let's, as a people, dig into our history so we can develop and redevelop that sense of pride that we had because we were the rulers also at one point.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, speaking of history, we're coming up at the time of this recording, um, coming up on the one-year anniversary of, of, of Kobe's passing. Just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that, um, how that impacted you, maybe how it impacted you as a, as a dad, but just, you know, kind of share your, your, your thoughts on that.
1: You know, as I look back in retrospect, you know, Kobe was a student of the game. I've always professed with my young athlete to be a student of the game. This game is bigger than you. Don't cheat the game. And I still bump heads with my son over the same type stuff. <laughs> you're a student of the game. You know, yeah. you're throwing kisses to people after you dunk on it, but that's costing you $500. Right. So don't disrespect the game, meatball. I call it meatball. That's what see, my it, wasn't, it, wasn't a it wasn't worthy of a technical. We were talking well, about the other night. subject to interpretation, bro. Yeah. I mean, I told him if you're going to celebrate, celebrate away from your opponent. Yeah. Once you show eye contact or you show that it's in a taunting gesture, I can hit you with a T with no problem. Yeah, that's
0: fair. Right.
1: You know, I've, I've, I've done my best to do my research as to what a T is and what a T is not. Therefore, I relax on the referees a lot because the job is hard enough. Mm-hmm. They have a job, they have a boss to answer to, and they have rules to play by also. Now... Some of those rules might look funny sometimes, but but yeah, you yeah. Know, we all have an arena to play within once we punch a clock. Let me just say that. And I respect all the referees, you know, throughout the world because I've done a little reffing in my day, mm-hmm. some coaching. I've worked the clock. If you ever want to be a parent, a humbled parent, <laughs> <laughs> once you go work that clock or work them books at an AAU game. Yeah. You know, stakes are high. That's yeah. gonna put it in perspective for you behind. Yeah, since you want not be in the stands yelling and screaming at everybody. Yeah. Don't put uh, that in them books. You're gonna see what I'm talking about, all right? I'll, I'll
0: be sure to get in contact with you in about five or six years when I'm at that stage. <laughs> Start doing that.
1: It's gonna change your perspective on how how that that's gonna be the sometimes, brother. Let me tell you straight up, that could be the longest hour of your life. Mm-hmm. Depends on the flow of the game. I'm just saying. You yeah. know, the minute you make a mistake somebody's going to let you know about it and you might be accused of some of the most godly things in the world Right. god awful things in the world they're going to question your manhood they're going to question your commitment to the kids they're going to question whether or not you might be a man they're going to question a lot of things all right? <laughs> So just, just, just be ready if you ever venture into those those shallow but
0: dangerous waters. All right, I'll, I'll keep that in mind. I'm looking forward to it. Let, let, let's let's put a bow in this conversation. All uh, right. sir. Um a couple last last two questions. What do you wish you knew um, when you first became a dad that you've learned uh, up until this point?
1: Um, honestly, thank you for that question. I wish I knew that. When I said it was a marathon and not a sprint, and I understood it to be in the infantile stages, that it really technically is a marathon for life. I will never stop running this race to benefit my son. I would would strongly encourage my trusted advisors to to be in a position to never, never look for the monetary rewards of any of this, but only look for the small wins of appreciation when you see some of the athletes that you come in contact with and you offer a kind word to fulfilling and living out their dreams. So Hmm. lock in and be prepared for the marathon that's never ending. And I wish I had known that, but with, with each passing day, I wake up and I smile and I thank God for 24 more hours so I can continue to run this marathon.
0: Great, great. That, that's just great advice for all of us. Mr. Kelly Ubray, Sr., thank you so much for joining me on the Fatherhood Podcast. Before I let you go, tell everyone how they can get in touch with you on social media, what where, where your website is, and I know you have a book and some other projects coming up. So just tell our listeners a little bit about those.
1: Okay, you can reach uh, out to my team at info at Developmental. And yes, we have a, a book scheduled to drop in December of 2021, and it's going to be touching on various topics about our journey along the way, and it's going to be some nuggets in there Whereas a lot of our trusted advisors and young diamonds can, can use it as, as, as as they formulate and develop and grow their own personal blueprints. And the book is going to be centered around respecting of all the entities involved with young athletes. We know there's some fringe elements that are in it for the wrong reasons, but you know what though, the good far outweigh the bad. And as a parent or trusted advisor, we have to, we have to dig deeper to get past those fringe elements. And uh, on social media also, you can get with us at beastdevelopmental.com with, and also info at beastdevelopmental, as I reiterated earlier. So I look forward to a lot of the feedback. I look forward to a lot of the questions that will come from this and some of the other things that I'm doing as we segue into the future, because I think early in life, you might want to hook up with mentorship good strong solid information in real time three-dimensional mentorship like we offer and this is not a plug or a sell job because i would rather you as a parent or a trusted advisor be able to be able to support a young diamond be it a, a young man or a young lady in their time of need and you guys can grow together and enjoy the process as you move forward into their various areas of success whether that be on or off the court Welcome to Beast Developmental.
0: Perfect, perfect. Mr. Kelly Ubre Sr. Thank you so much, man. This is a great conversation. I appreciate your time. And once again, thank you for joining me on the Fatherhood
1: Podcast. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: I want to thank Mr. Kelly Ubre Sr. for joining me on the Fatherhood Podcast today. And as always, thank you for listening. You can find the Fatherhood Podcast on all major DSPs, including iTunes and Spotify. Be sure to follow the Fatherhood Podcast on social media, at the Fatherhood Podcast on Instagram, and be sure to like the Fatherhood Podcast page on Facebook. If you enjoyed this episode and any others, be sure to leave a rating and review on iTunes. Until next time, I'm Jamar Hudson, and this is the Fatherhood Podcast.